0: For the for the for
1: the hello and welcome to for the records essentials episode 2 this is our kind of branch of of for the record where we discuss records that we think are essential and what we mean by essential is just albums that we both love and adore and all that carry on not necessarily the greatest albums ever written it just so happens that for our first two episodes <laughs> that's what we've decided to discuss isn't that right Zach Buggy
0: yeah man I mean we're not saying like you said that they're the best albums ever written but like uh, we are kind of going to pick albums that are the best albums ever written we're not saying they are but we're going to pick albums that are so it, that's kind of it's a tricky one really it is but it is i just you know for as objective as i like to be and you know a, each one to their own with in terms of taste there are certain albums that like if you don't fuck with you just and if you've listened to and don't fuck with you just i feel bad for your taste buds you know what i'm saying
1: 100 percent. um my name is Sean Tierney as well, by the way. Um, I'm and that Zach was Ogie. and that was Zach.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hi, welcome I'm, to for the record Essentials episode two, Electric Boogaloo.
1: I don't know if uh, if like I just completely forgot to do the introductions properly because I'm so fucking excited to talk about this classic album. As you will have seen, dear listener, from the artwork for this episode, for for the record, Essentials episode two, we are discussing Weezer's.
0: Self-titled debut record, the blue album. You could almost call this episode episode blue.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You could you could call it that. Oh man, I like right. Let's get the like I gotta get the intro stuff out of the way, and then we're gonna steam fucking full force into this record because. We were discussing off air just how much fucking fun it was to revisit uh, the Blue Album. If you're looking for objective critique of, you know, musical and uh, like all of these, you know, constructions and songwriting and all of that good stuff, you know, this might not be the episode for you. If you're looking for two excited men in their 30s talking about how fucking great the Blue Album is, then stay tuned.
0: Yeah, I... There Will be a good 20 20 percent of, 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 of like talking about like you know the craft and the fucking 80 <laughs> percent of this is just talking about how it was the soundtrack of my adolescence, yeah.
1: yeah, so um, Weezer are an American rock band and I'm just going to leave it at rock for the minute because you oh, know, yeah,
0: we'll, we'll come back to that, you know,
1: exactly. They're formed in 1992 in Los Angeles, California, and they are like look. They're definitely not a straight up rock band, but as as we said, we we'll get back to that. Uh, the band is a four piece, and at the time of the album we we're discussing, uh, they were comprised of Patrick Wilson on drums, Brian Bell on rhythm guitar, Matt Sharp on bass, and then the one, the only, <laughs> the leading man, the inimitable Rivers Cuomo on lead and rhythm guitar, lead vocals, keyboard, and harmonica. And you might wonder why he's including Harmonica there on the credits, but it's a big part of this album. Um, And it's, I think it's, it's weird, you know, you know, in the way that like, when we talk about Nine Inch Nails, you don't really talk about Nine Inch Nails as a band. You talk about them as Trent Reznor and, you know, whoever's playing with him and stuff. I think Weezer a little bit like that because it's really hard to separate Weezer from Rivers you know, to view them as an entity outside of Rivers, because as great as the other members are, except for um, Brian Bell on this record, because he doesn't play on the recording, um, it's all it's all Rivers doing the guitar. Um, because, I think we.
0: Do you, want, do you want to go into that for a minute?
1: Uh, yeah, um, sure. But I, I just want to like just to say it. I think Re- Weezer is and always will be. Dominated by Rivers, one of a kind irrepressible personality, I think. But yeah, wh- why why doesn't why doesn't Brian Bell play on this record?
0: So the original guitar player's name was Jason Cropper, and like for all intents and purposes, blue album was done, like recording was finished, and Cropper started like behaving really erratically during the recording sessions. His partner had told him she was pregnant, and he just as a young man was not taking it well. And like, you know, apparently like one minute he'd be fine, and then the next minute he'd be on top of the studio screaming. And you know, maybe not handled the best way, but Rivers as because like and it's another thing to think about as well is like we all know Rivers Cuomo nowadays as glasses very like Hindu, very fucking spiritual, quiet, quaint, like do- doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs, very he's a very just chill, odd dude. And you know, he wasn't always that. He he was a young, destructive little fucking smarmy, intelligent, talented, geeky bastard. And
1: there's there's a kind of a hint of you know Metallica kicking. Dave Mustaine out of the bend for drinking too much to Jason Crapper not fitting in with Weezer because he was too unpredictable. Yeah, <laughs> Rivers, Rivers is not the most kind no. of stable <laughs> well, could, person at this time.
0: No, fuck no. But you could, but Rivers obviously, you know, because like Weezer is Rivers' baby. I mean, Weezer are called Weezer because when Weezer was, when Rivers was a kid, he used to get nicknamed Weezer by his like family because he had like a bit of asthma. So <laughs>
1: I never knew that's, that.
0: Yeah, that's why they're called Weezer. Like Weezer is his fucking baby. And, like, this was the big deal. This was Geffen Records. This was Rick Ocasek from the fucking Cars. Cars, yeah. Like, the legendary Cars producing. Like, and they'd work with him again on the Blue album, and everything will be all right in the end. Uh, but, like, they wanted to self-produce, which they did on their second album, Pinkerton. But on Blue, first album, the big label, they let them have, they got them Rick Okasek. Like, this was a big deal. and. I think Rivers saw his vision or he saw the their potential like at risk with Cropper's behavior and just came okay. into the studio to Rick Okasek and was like, I'm firing the guitarist. I'm re-recording all his guitar parts. He did it Billy Corgan, uh, Siamese Dream Style, even though he, he didn't kick James Ea out. James Ea had to go on tour knowing that Billy Corgan re-recorded all his guitar parts. Like that's soul destroying, like yeah. fucking hell. But anyway... I, I,
1: I think, as you can probably tell, um, Zach is definitely the one of the two of us who would have more insight into the kind of the overall story of Weezer and the kind of nuance and the detail. I think I was thinking about this um, before we were recording, and I think that Weezer for me are a band who have albums I love, whereas I think Weezer for you are a band that you love. And I think that might be an important distinction, you know, just in terms of like the level of detail and the the the, the details that you can provide as opposed to me.
0: Yeah, no, no. I I am like Weezer are one of my favorite bands, mm. warts and all. I they've they've made several missteps and they have album the, the, the disparity between their good albums and their not so good albums is ridiculous. But I'm I'm such a just huge fan of the band and of Rivers Cuomo and his songwriting and his style and and I will always try out every project they do. I have followed them since I clicked with them like as, as a young boy. And so yeah, whereas you, you fuck with particular albums and that's something we'll yeah. probably, we probably we 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 might do a Weezer episode one of these days where we can proper get into the nitty gritty because today is about the Blue Album. Today whereas, is about the
1: Blue Album. Yeah, we'll
0: that's right because Weezer have fucking like over 16 albums at this point. Yeah. So we will like, we'll, we'll get into that at some point I
1: think so and it would be a worthwhile discussion as well because I think it'll be interesting because as you said there are records that I fuck with but like I fuck with them super hard as in like full on love and adore and whereas you kind of have a more you kind of like the, the discography as as a whole as such. So I, I I agree. I think a Weezer episode, like a Weezer timeline would be a fucking brilliant and hilarious
0: chat. What I will say, and I'll leave it here, is that I... How would I put this? The early Weezer stuff, that is some of my favourite music that has ever been recorded. And they are one of my favourite bands because of those early albums. And then Mm. as the career has gone on, there have been select albums which almost reached that level of love for me. But overall with Weezer's discography, I, I think one of the reasons I like it so much and I defend it so much is that I will be the first one to hold my hands up and admit that Weezer's discography is not the discography the world was anticipating or expected when Blue Album came out. The Weezer discography feels like it's from an alternate timeline. <laughs> uh, and shout-out community. <laughs> yeah. And the real weezer, the real weezer discography that should have naturally continued from the sound of Blue Album and Pinkerton is out there in another timeline. But we live in the alternate timeline where they re- where they just went a really strange way. Mm. So and that and that's all I'll say for now. But to bring it back to Blue Album, River just decided Jason Cropper, not in the band anymore. And like, and like, it was a bit of a dick move, but like years later, Jason Cropper was interviewed and said uh, Rivers Cuomo was totally in the right to kick him out. He said he was not in a stable mindset to play in a band. He would not have been able to go tour Blue. So it was the right call. So Rivers went back into the studio. We recorded all Jason Cropper's parts, kicked him out, brought Brian Bell in last minute. Brian Bell recorded some back and vocal takes. Yeah. And then they put his put his face on the cover with the rest of them, gave him a credit, and off they went to the races on tour. And that was kind of Brian Bell's real break-in with the band. uh, Yeah. And so Rivers, at that point, you can tell there's a bit of an attitude and there's obviously a bit of uh, Because, I mean, he was really influenced by, like, Nirvana and, like, he was obviously, like, recognizing, like, smashing pumpkins and shit, like, who were just starting out too. So I think there was... He was a more subtle, I wouldn't say control freak, but like a band leader, you know? Rivers was small and geeky and shit, but like there was an auteur's brain in there even from a young age. And he, I, and that's, I think that's what I want to say before we get into, get right into the Blue Album is why it's so effective and why it's such, like, such an influential album all these years later and resonates with people so much still is that because Rivers grew up as like a metalhead and wanted to be a metal guitar player and was loved, loved Quiet Riot and Iron Maiden and Slayer. And he learned how to shred and solo and was a proper lead guitar player, a metal lead guitar player. And then he grows up, his tastes start to change. Uh, there's a great song on a later album, the Red album, Heart Songs. And he kind of goes through like all his musical tastes growing up and how they to and fro from Debbie Gibson to Iron Maiden and shit like that. So when he started realizing like he could write pop songs, and that he wasn't, you know, quotation marks, cool enough to write like metal songs that he would feel confident enough to sing. Like he didn't he knew he couldn't write Van Halen tunes. And he was also aware that growing up, like you know, it was all big hair, torn jeans, shredding, yeah. And by the time he kind of got old enough to move out, go over to LA, try and like give like give it a shot, knock on record labels, doors, all that. Mm you know, metal wasn't cool anymore. And well, Nevermind had happened. Never mind. It happened. This is what and I'm And it
1: had happened. decimated metal pretty yeah. much. I mean,
0: it was all just wasn't slacker. cool anymore. No, it was normal slacker clothes and it was like just normal college student mm. looking guys playing this much more direct, simple kind of music. And like, so the grunge was taken off and it had a huge effect on Rivers, especially Nevermind. It's like Nirvana in general and Nevermind really like, changed river's kind of perspective on what type of songs he could write that Mm. he didn't have to embody character. Like he could write really personal songs and really simple songs to him. And so by the time like blue album is like crafted, what you end up with is an album written with the prowess of someone who was ready to be like in a a big metal band and was like learning the ropes of, like, real metal instrumentation and rock instrumentation and production and getting a vision in place for that. And then combining that with the realization that because grunge had happened, that he could, like, he could really just write songs without fronting or posing. Mm. He could write songs about himself, self-deprecating songs, humorous songs. So the combination of, like, the, the musicality of Blue Album, the, like how how sneaking, sneakily simple it sounds, whereas then like the riffs and the composition are like just so proficient and beyond how like, like I said, sneakily simple they seem. And then when you have lyrics that range from super geeky to like purposefully controlling and misogynistic, to bubblegum and simple it 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 is like the warring it's incel music and i mean that in the nicest way possible because it's like every young man when they're growing up has these innate teenage incel fucking things in their head that they growing up is learning that like you know girls don't have to like fucking text you back because Mm. you like them and like fucking learning that you have to put in effort to make friends and be social and like and it's like and it's him kind of like him processing all this in the worst way possible because there's a there's so much of the lyrical prowess of blue album that you relate to but you don't want to relate to and that's what rivers is aiming for on a lot of these tracks
1: i i agree i agree and we will we will definitely get in on that a little bit more when it comes to the song in particular that you're referencing. Right. Yeah. Um. So just to fucking set the scene a, a little bit uh, before, because we're going to do a track by track and, you know, um, yeah, we, we're going to run through the album. Um, Sorry,
0: I'm just running off on tangents because I love Weezer so much. It's, it's
1: perfectly okay. I think that's what we're all here for, really, just to scream from the rooftops so how fucking great this is. But um, the Blue Album was released um on the 10th of May, 1994. And I'm just going to come right out and say it. I always find it incredible when a band achieves perfection. But it's even more stunning when they achieve it on their debut album. Um, and I think that when we talk about the great debuts, like the the I don't mean like really good debut albums, you know, like 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 the Slipknot debut album is I fucking love it. But I think objectively there are weak points or whatever. I'm talking about your bulletproof nailed-on classic albums, such as the self-titled Rage Against the Machine album. I mean. In terms of a debut record, that's about as good as you can go. I mean, on an objective kind of level or whatever, not personally, but something like Appetite for Destruction. I mean, fuck me. How is that a debut album? You know what I mean? But I think that Blue Album is firmly in the discussion for the single greatest debut album of all time, like without question. I don't think that there is any arguing with that statement. And there are ten reasons why. And each of those 10 reasons are the 10 songs on this 41 minute masterclass in rock songwriting. Because there's no like, there's no story, there's no background noise, there's none of this context, you know, that kind of elevates some albums, you know, the like the mystery behind Slipknot on their debut records, like, who are they? Look, who, who are they behind this? Like the political vim and vigor of like something like Rage Against the Machine or like the fucking most dangerous band in the world of Guns N' Roses. There's there's none of that with Weezer. The, what elevates this album to classic status is the 10 songs. It's the music. It's all about the music, man. You know, and it really fucking is. Um, as you mentioned... <laughs>
0: Sorry, it's even the fact that, like, even to get into the artwork for a second. That yeah, Appetite of Destruction, the big the iconic cross. Iconic, song. yeah, yeah. A Rage Against the Machine, the fucking monk immolating himself, and it's like that real harrowing image that, that ties in so intensely with the music. Like Blue Album is like, we're four guys who just got out of college. Yeah, I like dressed like like we just came out of a lecture. And look,
1: look, it's a blue
0: background. And it's a blue background. <laughs> uh, the album—it's a self-titled album, but yeah. like. You could call it blue album, but that, yeah. that's up to you. But we're not going to tell you what to call it. Enjoy even in that, like that's, the presentation the is, is so threatening. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just take yeah. this on it. And I remember being a kid because, like, seeing all these cool albums, and even never mind with the bit. And the blue album is just these four normal looking, yeah. random blokes and a blue background. And, and it's like, just they so like, like they
1: haven't like they haven't like coordinated their outfits or anything. So, like it's just so, like.
0: They look like they could... It almost looks like they could just be four separate photos of them photoshopped together. One of them is
1: photoshopped. One of their heads is photoshopped onto the artwork because he didn't like the way he looked in in the actual original photo. And one of their heads is photoshopped.
0: Sorry? Is it Pat Wilson, the drummer
1: on the fire? I think it might be. I'm not sure.
0: His head looks pure weird on that cover. Yeah, So it's actually
1: photoshopped in.
0: And then even on the back, it's just blue and all the tracks written in standard little black... Mm -hmm. They're so... It, it, like you said, it, the album is just so presented to be like, where four guys don't take much notice of us. Just listen to the ten songs, and that's how the album was presented by Geffen. Like that's what they wanted. for that's how they wanted to be introduced to the fucking world. Like,
1: but like that might seem like a strange decision at the time when you consider what was going on around them and like how like there was superstar bands emerging. I mean, this is the same year. This is the same year that fucking, like, Dookie was released, you know? And Dookie has that crazy, like, bomb going off album cover with all the little, like, Where's Wally kind of type scene in it. You know, there's... And all the turds. And all the turds is right. Yeah, and then it's like, it's just, you get Weezer, four dudes, blue background, songs written in plain black, let's fucking go.
0: And you have to factor in as well, like I was mentioning earlier, like, the fact that, like, Nevermind by Nirvana had such a major influence on Rivers and recharting his creative trajectory which led to the crafting of the blue album and when he first when weezer first got signed to their label like he was so kind of he said it was quite surreal that hearing never was what made him kind of realize what weezer his musical project needed to be and then within a span of like two years later he was on the same label as nirvana mm. but then unfortunately it was really short-lived because because when you said you mentioned the date this came out in may of 94 Mm -hmm. so that's literally blue album came out like and just for the context of the year that was a month after kurt died so i mean that's a real number one that's that's that that must be bittersweet in itself to be like oh my god i'm on the same label as the band that have really kind of helped me realize my creative vision and maybe i'll get to tour with them one day and then like the month before your album comes out which is indebted to that artist he, that that tragedy happens it's quite strange as
1: well that they're incredibly comparable albums
0: oh yeah they really are man like, you can
1: hear it like the the thing i always say about nevermind is that as great and like as heavy as it can sound or whatever it's a pop like rock collection of songs it's got oh, hooks yeah everywhere but it's got loads of distortion it's got great drums it's got that shrieking vocal performance and you know the blue album is a pop record as well it has all the pop hooks but it's got this grunge sensibility uh really overdriven guitars like great, great drum sound and like this kind of mercurial idiosyncratic vocal performance from Weezer or from Rivers and it's they are very different albums, I think, but there's a lot of similarities, even down to the overtly blue cover.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think even into the Weezer's later material, when Weezer ever write like an aggressive song or Rivers lets out like a more kind of raw vocal performance, mm-hmm. like Rivers' aggressive side songwriting is totally indebted to Kirk Cobain and to Nirvana. And he'd be the first one to mention it. He, Nirvana were such a big influence on him. So it is such... It's such a strange state of events that like that Nirvana was so so big to him and so inspirational to him and then he wound up in the same label as them and then Kurt passed away a month mm. four weeks debut so he never kind of really they never got to swim in the exact same circle and meet each other and kind of and there's there's even a B-side off of the blue album called Suzanne which is a fucking brilliant song and um, there's a line in Suzanne uh even is Suzanne is about the receptionist at the label when they got signed because, you know, this is before the internet and shit. And the boys would, I mean, the, the, the internet as we know it. like mm. And the lads would be, because they were young and naive and really excited to be on, like, a fucking label and they had a million questions, they'd be calling the label all the time for different reasons and different questions and shit. And Suzanne would be who they deal with. So they wrote this song for Suzanne, the receptionist at their label. But there's a, there was a line in the song that says, uh, even Izzy slash or Axel Rose when I call you put them all on hold. But the, <laughs> but the line was originally uh Kirk Cobain or axel Rose. Either of them call you'll put them both on hold. Uh. And then and then Kurt died and Rivers could, didn't have the stomach to, to put that in the B side. Yeah. So it's really it is it's really fucked up, man. But the But where was I going with that? I think I oh, know I think I was just trying to give the context that like the like I mean this is like
1: the timing of the release. The
0: timing is just so mad that, like, yeah. a month, the world is just processing that Nirvana is over. In Utero was the last album. Kurt is dead. No one kind of knows, like, where, like, Foo Fighters are, like, only have the self title at this point. No one kind of knows where, like, rock is going to go. And then a month later, this album that, like, takes, it takes, like, influence from Nirvana's Nevermind and kind of fills that void of rock music but also at the same time has less in common with Nirvana and more in common with the fucking Beach Boys
1: absolutely <laughs> do
0: and you know what I mean do you
1: know what the, yeah i think it's a perfect time to dive in yeah let's fucking go this album starts with my name is Jonas uh the subtle acoustic guitar lick into the full on crushing electric guitars is so great I love the guitar tone on this throughout the whole album. It's so fuzzy and distorted for what is ostensibly a pop rock record.
0: And it's fuzzy. It's like the fuzziest you can get without without you without like resting on like lo-fi tricks it's like the most polished good big production fuzz you can get on a fucking and also when you play power chords with that much fuzz they just sound so like anthemic and jovial and from the off with my name is jonas once once that lovely acoustic lick builds into those power chords you're like you, because that's what Rick Oakes said. Kind of helped him do. He he wanted to make the like the fuzz power chord sound as bright was the word he used as possible. That's right. But from yeah. that moment, the anthemic nature. It's like I said, jovial. Those riffs are just
1: completely joyous. It's
0: like, and yeah.
1: what I loved as well about <laughs> learning in the in the research was, it was a uh, like a pro- producing choice by. Aucasek and Cuomo, that they wanted to um, have the guitars be the most prominent thing, even to the detriment of the vocals. So like sometimes the guitars almost swallow the vocals, these lead vocals for these anthemic hooks, and like that was on purpose, like fucking great.
0: And it, it kind of sets the, and I, that's the thing I love because like like you said that that acoustic intro is fucking iconic now, iconic, it's like. When Weezer plays shows, if they open with it, as soon as people hear that, you'll have yeah. fucking thousands of people lose their shit. Just, just lose your, lose your mind. Yeah, it's so just, it's like I said, iconic. And then when those riffs come in, it it really kind of introduces everyone to, like for, for like, you have to think about it in the 90s, if this is people's first time hearing Weezer, it's their debut album. When those power chords come in, you really can hear the, you know, like you were saying, the detriment of the vocals. It was also to the de- to the detriment of the bass nearly because the bass, <laughs> yeah. the ba- there is, the, f- you know, for anyone who's a bass fanatic or real bass player, you know, they realize very quickly, Blue Album is one of those unashamed, the bass is the guitar. The bass follows the guitar riff for riff, yep. note for note. And it's because they want that. And it, I, I think, and you said as well,
1: they wanted um actually for the bass and the rhythm guitar to basically function as a as one single ten stringed instrument
0: yes that's it thank yeah. you they, they wanted is, it
1: it was that was the the production choice they made and you yeah, can and really has, fucking hear that
0: that's what I'm saying yeah it has that the the riffs are almost so resonant because there is that fuzz and they're just so proficiently played but because the bass and the rhythm chug at the same time they're such a like they, they fucking just they're locked in so tight and they did i think as well didn't they say that when they were like when rivers was crafting the songs everything had to be played downstroke
1: yeah all downstrokes yeah
0: yeah it's all downstrokes the whole fucking time yeah. so it almost has this it has what's the term i'm looking for it's almost like this purposefully amateur approach where like they want it it it's meant to it, it almost has this posturing of like a bunch of snotty kids in their garage playing the greatest pop songs of the 90s that someone gave them you know it's yeah. all just and just playing it metal covers yeah. <laughs> like yeah all just fucking downstrokes yeah. and the bass and the fucking guitar the exact same. and like but and it just creates this fucking complete anthemic vo- and like and that's why you know just off the bat as well we're saying about rock before we get into the nitty-gritty nuances of each song I will say the th- one of the reasons Blue Album is so influential and so popular is because it has it, it it hasn't just birthed or influenced one scene of music. It's so synonymous and resonant in so many different circles.
1: We're we're going to leave that until we get to the end and we sum it all up and we get to its influence and its legacy and all that because that's actually so excited, that's a chat okay. in itself. Like you know what I'll I mean.
0: I'll yeah. hold off on that. Sorry. But I
1: just, just to get back uh, yeah. to my name is my Jonas. Name is Jonas. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like there's so many great moments on it that melodically as well. Do you know the my name is Wakefield. I love that. I love it so much. And the the I love the workers are going home, the harmonies. I, I love the way that they've included the couple of, like there's a couple of flats uh, harmony vocals in there as well. They don't always nail the harmony vocals, but it just adds to the charm. And as you mentioned, the kind of, Almost amateurish, like a, approach of it. It's so fucking good. The for, that headfirst adrenaline rush as well of the instrumental middle eight to the bit there's these barely audible like guitar licks, harmonica uh, over the massive, harmonica
0: solo. It's, it goes mad. But it's brilliant. It's got this
1: massive distorted guitar in it as well. It's unreal this is some way to start a fucking record like to start your debut album with my name is Jonas and where we get from the does like those that brilliant acoustic lick to that gigantic middle eight is just ah oh, it's so fucking good man
0: and you have like also my name is Jonas because it's the opening track off the debut for big, a big lot of people's from the big introduction to Weezer as an entity and the lyrics on my name is Jonas really you know really quickly establish Rivers as as a quirky bastard who writes these like seemingly like abstract yet direct lyrics and mm. he draws on he draws on his personal life and he draws on his own encounters but paints them in a slightly cryptic way because i mean there's the whole you know, the the guess, uh, you know, the whole guess what I received in the mail today, words of deep concern for my baby brother. Building's not going as he planned, the foreman has injured his hand. That's real. Like, yeah, that, like it's just, that's literally him just talking about his brother, talking about the stressful job working at a construction yeah. site. And it's like, OK. And like, you know, some songs, you know, like the, especially in the 90s, like you're opening track, Welcome to the Jungle and fucking you know, like... like
1: Smells like, like teen,
0: like teen spirit. spirit. And then, like, you literally just have, like, the workers are going home. Yeah. He's just, like, talking about his fucking... And then, <laughs> the choo-choo because...
1: train left right on time.
0: But then there's also the... And then there's, like... I think there's a reference to... Um... You know, in the first verse, the, come sit next to me, uh, have yourself some tea, just like Grandma made when we, well, couldn't, we couldn't sleep. But because like rivers and his brother were actually raised quite a lot by his grandparents growing up because mm. his parents are quite like his parents are like fucking hippies basically mm, they
1: were yeah i mean yeah, his name yeah. is rivers so
0: and his brother's name is leaf yeah so yeah so there is like the so i think there's it it, it it's like a very subtle song about family a bit and about communication and but like but it's, it's just, but it's bizarre in itself, like, and who the fuck is Jonas? It's just, so there is that, like, there's this, there's this, I think it's a great introduction to Rivers' style of, like, writing really simple direct songs, but taking the most meandering roundabout way to make points, and sometimes, and to to the point where most people don't get the point. Yeah. And, you know, but. But it's but it's so direct, like, like, I'm not trying to sound facetious, but like how many people are familiar with the song? My name is Jonas and are familiar with The Workers Are Going Home chant, but don't actually know what the fuck that song's about or what mm-hmm. that part of the song is. But, every, but because it's just such a fucking great little bridge. It's amazing. Reports, yeah.
1: It's amazing. Then,
0: what a way to start an album. Like, it's My name unbelievable. Is, it's in a set it, and it's one of those songs that it isn't one of the three singles with an yeah. official music video from Blue Album, but it is a live staple. Like they will always play My Name is Jonas, even though it's and like that's always, I think, speaks volumes about the strength of a song. If it wasn't released as a single, but it's like considered as important and vital at a set as one of the singles is. 100%. That's
1: 100%. It's just an incredible way to start the album. Um, so... right, we're just going to get straight into this. You mentioned this briefly uh, in the kind of run up. The next song is No One Else. And the big talking point here is the lyrics. They're horrible. Look, it's we'll just come straight out and say it. The lyrics are not very nice about women. It's it's it is tough to view them through 2022's lens because it paints this picture of a controlling boyfriend and, you know, coercive and all this stuff. and.
0: Is it not meant to be, though? That I thought, oh, that's the whole point. Like, the, the song is purposefully meant to be, like, unsettling levels of controlling and coercive and overbearing and misogynistic. And, like, I was on holidays in corfu recently with my better half and we were like going out in the night out and we were drinking and i had like spotify on shuffle and no one else came on and i was dancing around mm. singing along to it and my missus turned to me and she goes this fucking song is horrible and i was like yeah it's meant to be yeah. like group versus rip- rip- a fart like and the thing is and the and like you know okay i was like two or three when this album came out so or four i can't remember but i'm not so i can't really like I'm not going to talk speak for people and their perspectives in the '90s, but this song seems like the type of song that, when it came out, people who didn't people who liked rock songs and didn't really listen to lyrics that much, because there are those people out there, Mm -hmm. probably just because it's one of the most bubbly gummy pop punk songs on the album. Like, and it's one of the most straightforward.
1: Therein lies the rub. So, like. I I do think that the the reason people can have a problem with the lyrics even if he's painting a character whatever is because of how it's presented. It's presented like such a sing along kind of like this is great you know but like the lyrics are not nice. And look I you said so
0: that, I you do said, think though so that 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 is also the I and maybe I'm I think the whole point of it is that Rivers is singing these horrible overbearing controlling lyrics in such as uh, upbeat simplistic fuzzy pop style to to kind of illustrate how uh, how much the, the 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 narrator of of these of this horrible fucking attitude doesn't get that this is such a horrible attitude to have mm. you know that he can sing this in such a simple lovely way because there's nothing wrong with having this mindset it's kind of like there there the reason i think as well like this track You know, yes, I agree that like if it came out now, it might turn some heads. But there are some artists nowadays like emo bands and pop punk bands who are still brave enough to take River's influence and write songs that are a bit challenging and a bit like there's a great band, if I may just tangent for a second, called Heart Attack Man who combine the big fuzzy power chords of Weezer and River's kind of out there lyricism with kind of sometimes a bit more hardcore influence. But they have like a song that got them in a lot of, like got a lot of people moaning on the internet called Cool To Me. Because like, it's all about, you know, you know, like him finding out about, from people about a friend of his. And he's like, you know, and the lyrics are like, I'm not saying that I don't believe you. That just seems out of character. He's never. He's always been cool to me. So and you know I like and people are like, why would you write a song like that? And he's like, because it's about an attitude. He's mm. illustrating like the the toxicity of an attitude and and like and some people get like don't like that and like so like and I think a lot of people like I remember the first time I listened to Blue Album. The song really took me back. It took me aback because like I when I first took the dive into Weezer, I was about like. I was young enough. I was in my, like, just about just becoming a teenager. I think Red Album had come out uh, or may, and then I kind of started deciding I'd work backwards in the beginning. And I remember, like and I knew the singles of all the albums and I bought Blue Album and I knew my name is Jonas just because it was such a popular tune, <coughs> guitar hero. <coughs> and, <laughs> and when My Name is Jonas goes into no one else and you kind of click what the lyrics are about, I remember being like, wow, Rivers Cuomo can go to some dark places even though he's hiding behind the veneer of how catchy this fucking tune is like,
1: I think given where he goes on Pinkerton which we're not going to get into because I feel like that again is an episode in itself yeah. I think you're giving him a bit too much credit I don't know if this is a character
0: Oh no I, I completely think this is I think just, this is Rivers No but I, I know what you're saying but I think just like on Pinkerton, this is Rivers, but it's also, how am I going to say this? It's Rivers. Rivers is giving in to the most base, horrible parts of himself in the songs yeah. because he's trying to express that these aren't healthy emotions. And yeah. I think that's, that's why Pinkerton is such a complex album, because Pinkerton is a consciously horrible representation of yeah. himself. And like and that's why and that's why he like when people didn't receive Pinkerton that well upon initial release, he got really like fucking heart anxious because of how it was rejected. But that is that in me is like the whole thing about songwriting is you get to espouse things that are like that. You don't that you can't in your everyday life or you kind of you're you're exercising demons that you need to get out through your art. So I I agree with that. Yeah. And I, I think that is a big part of the early Weezer material is Rivers writing these songs that are... Uh, and when I say they're from the point of view of a character, I mean their point of view, of, like, from a character in himself. These people exist. Like, these are parts of his own personality, which I think, and I'm not trying to sound controversial, I think every young man has this person in them, has oh, this
1: unlearned... And that's the next thing I was going to get to, because yeah. I can understand the sentiment of... I want a girl who laughs at no one else. I guess like we all want to feel as though we have like this special connection, this unique connection with our partners. No one else can make her laugh the way I can, you know, But that I can fully understand. But, you know, the rest of it is a bit much. Yeah, She puts her when I'm away, she puts her makeup on the shelf. When I'm away, she doesn't leave the house. I mean, Rivers, man, come on, like rein it in a bit, like.
0: But, but that but do you not feel like that is the point that he's meant to be like you know that's the most that's the next logical conclusion from having a toxic mindset where you're like I want a girl who laughs for no one else like she I want her just to be for me when I'm away she shouldn't like even want to leave or go outside she should never definitely want to wear makeup unless <sighs> I'm looking for her. like there there the, the, and that is when every young guy has a girlfriend for the first time as a young teenager turning into a young adult there is that overbearing sense like every guy has that in them it's like and it's pathetic and it's it's small-minded and it's meek and and that's growing up is learning to respect your partner and respect friends and respect trust and i i've always interpreted no one else to be rivers like oh like letting out that that part of like any overbearing young guy who starts to like lo- love a girl and become possessive of her and then see how it toxically mm. keeps building the, the way at the end he's like you know you know and if you see her tell her it's over now yeah. like it's like because like probably because she did nothing because because she, she went outside or something like that so uh, i do think that like this isn't river's writing a song that has aged really horribly, I think it's a song that's even more resonant today because I think he's writing from the p- perspective of this horrible part of his brain that's like, oh, I wish she's just like... And it's like, it's him kind of being like confronting that own attitude that all guys can have. And he's kind of putting it out there in this song, in this really poppy way to be like, this is sick, twisted fucking mindset. But like, I don't think it's that bad because, because I'm doing it because I love her and shit. So I... And then I think Pinkerton confirms that, that he's he's writing from these really uncomfortable places because people, unfortunately, can connect to them. And I'm sure there's even, like any sex, any gender can, the song is, even though it is very misogynist because it's from a guy's perspective, but mm. anyone can be possessive. The song's about possession and like, so I, I I really feel that this is, and Rivers is a very intelligent dude and he's very nuanced and weird. But he's
1: also super strange in his attitudes towards women as he is proven
0: time yes. and time
1: again you know so i i i i absolutely take your point that he's representing like a kind of a dark aspect of his his relationship personality i completely understand that i just do think that it goes it's too it's too much and i do think it is it is a bordering on uncomfortable. It's not as uncomfortable as Pinkerton, but it's just like when I'm away, she doesn't leave the house. It's just, a, you know, it's too much. But look, I think we have...
0: On, I think it's meant to border on uncomfortable. I,
1: I I, would agree. I would probably agree. Yeah. Um. I think that, look, I, I did not want to shy away from the controversy of it because...
0: No, we want to get it. I want to get into the fucking album. That's what we're yeah. talking about. But
1: year, like. it's like, I fucking... I just love this song. I love it. I wanted to present all of my arguments against it because I know that I shouldn't be singing along to this song with the verve and joy that I do. But musically, this is constructed perfectly. That descending intro right into the first verse, which lifts into the and if you see her, and it's so good. Despite the semi questionable or fully questionable lyrics, the chorus is fucking monstrous. It is massive. I think like there are bands who are trading off of like writing these supposedly big choruses for years in like the modern rock scene. Get like show them no one else and be like, come on, you know. You you don't have a hope, boys. Like you're not even close. Like then when he gets to the I love um tell her it's a hey, 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 I
0: just... and then this big huge power solo. This big, uh, huge, huge but
1: power and solo. then there's that, that elevated chorus vocally where he's reaching the notes, it's just a little bit higher. It's unreal. The urgency of that watcher, watcher, watcher into that final, you know, that inescapable chorus. This song is for its flaws. Which I acknowledge one hundred percent. I agree. I agree with you, Internet. I agree with you, world. These lyrics are not okay in twenty twenty two. They probably weren't okay in nineteen ninety four. But <laughs> this song is fucking magnificent. It's magnificent.
0: I, I still think that lyrics can be okay if they have a point. If they're make, if they're telling a story. If they're make, if they're presenting an argument. This this song like it's satirical and it's dark and it's representative of a toxic mindset but like art is meant to be challenging and like you know i don't think like like if people find the lyrics problematic that's on or uncomfortable that's on them but i i think the lyrics to the song are genius and and it's such a it's such a beautiful subtle simple sneaky way of presenting a really toxic mindset, and I think few artists have managed to pull it off in such a deceptive way, like Rivers did on No One Else. It is,
1: it's very Pixies, isn't it? Presenting I, some horrible shit
0: in a pop a fashion. Yeah. yeah, and that's another thing. I mean, yeah. it might their might their influence mightn't be as blatant as Nirvana's, but there's a strong Pixies influence. I think on it's week. huge. Yeah. There is, especially in the riffs and in the yeah. strange personality of Black Francis and Rivers Cuomo. Absolutely. Very different songwriters, very different vocal styles, but very similar in a lot kindred, of... Kindred st- kind of spirits. Yes, yes. Yeah. And the thing is, like we have My Name is Jonas, which is very fun and jovial and like kind of references family. And then you have mm. no one else with a real toxic mm. relationship side comes out. Then the you almost see the, the antonym of that attitude but equally toxic on the world has turned and left me here um this, this song is like the, this this is the saddest incel song of all time
1: yeah and it is fucking incredible it's um, beautiful.
0: this song is amazing
1: and this is the first weezer song i ever heard um and wow, what a,
0: what a strange song to be! Isn't introduced. it a
1: really weird one? It's like because like like we've kind of mentioned this was a little bit pre-internet, you know, and pre whatever. And a friend of mine, he had older brothers, and they were into Weezer, and he made me a CD of like the best like Weezer tracks. I don't even know what year this is. So like he's pulling from like maybe uh Blue. Pinkerton and Green.
0: Green, probably. Yeah, I don't
1: think it was even more than that. So you can imagine the level of quality that was on these fucking twelve or thirteen tracks, like yeah. outrageous. But um, the first track that they put on it was "The World Turn Turned." So I press play, and uh, like, I just, I can, I, I can never let this song go. I love it. I love this riff. I love the high harmonies the, at the end of the verse line. I love the kind of fake build that happens on the, the I just made love to your sweet memory. Uh, the build of the, core, the pre-chorus into the refrain. The crashing drums that welcome the second verse are insane. The guitar line that's been played under it is so melancholic and thoughtful. I just fucking love it, man. It's 10 out of 10. And just to go back to something you were talking about beforehand, it's capped off with a ridiculous guitar solo, and I was going to say this uh, when you were talking about it, but um, I don't think Rivers gets the credit for being such a ridiculously good lead guitarist. And he just picks his solo so brilliantly and they always serve the song. It's never about showing off, you know, but there's this story and I can't remember if I heard it like from directly from the horse's mouth like not directly, but a video of the person saying it, or I heard someone else on another podcast or video talk about it, but at some American festival where a load of bands played at, like all these big metal bands, you know, at the time. So you're probably, you know, maybe, you know, 2000 to 2003 kind of thing. So you're talking about some big, massive metal bands and Slayer were one of the bands there. And Kerry King said that there was a load of these guitarists just fucking messing around when before they all got to go out and do their sound checks before the festival opening and all this carry on and they were noodling around the guitars. And then this small little kind of unassuming nerdy guy comes over and just ruined everyone. And that nerdy guy was Rivers. So Kerry King said that Rivers is like the best lead guitar player he's ever seen. Like it's unbelievable the level of talent he has. But do do you know the way like, I hate like guitar noodling wankery, but some of the lead moments on the blue album are some of my favorite musical moments of all time. And I lo- the solo on fucking The World Is Third That Left Me Here is just un-fucking-real. Like, do you know, and like, I, I just, I love this song, man. I-, I don't know, everyone could probably tell how much I love this song from the way I've just fucking vomited joy about it, but I just love it, man.
0: I, I couldn't agree more about when you said his solos always serve the song. Always, even like the, the, his his solos never verge on masturbatory or self-indulgent. They're always flashy and super impressive, but always feel vital and serve the song. He's fucking brilliant, man. Does he? But like you, like Weezer. Sometimes when they'll be sound checking, we'll do "Hot for Teacher" by Van Halen to sound check. Yeah. Like R- yeah. R- Rivers is just he, like he literally he. He went to school guitar-wise to be a metal league guitarist and then realized metal wasn't cool. He wasn't really of the metal ilk, metal or ilk and kind of wanted to write pop songs, but was like, but I, but I still learned how to do all these awesome solos and I still really want to put these in my songs. Yeah. So, and that's why, like, I, we'll get to the genre thing later, but World Has Turned Left Me Here, one of the things I think is so iconic as well, like we're talking about the acoustic line on My Name is Jonas, but it's the beautiful mm-hmm. juxtaposition on The World is Turned of the, the me, like you said, the melancholic acoustic fucking roll and the power chord yeah. trudging next to them. It's fucking gorgeous. It's like- It's unbelievable. It, it, it's, like, it's, like, it's like the punk band still playing in the garage and one of them, Is after getting sad news, and the other guys are like, No, let's just keep playing the song, keep playing the power chords. And it's like, No, something really sad. And it's this weird dichotomy of the two at once. And then lyrically, like, I, this album, this song, I mean, I think anyone can really relate to this tune. I mean, because we've, that's just such a, it's such a self centered, self aggrandizing, Drama, overly dramatic melancholic thought you know the world has turned and left me here but yeah. we've all felt that once absolutely we all, yeah we all wallow in our own little crack of misery sometimes and think no one has felt the way we feel and Do like I mean, on, um,
1: the greatest generation where soupy compares his depression to the great uh wall street crash you know that level of melodrama like you know yeah and like, he's and he,
0: and he also makes the point in that on that album, "The Devil in My Bloodstream," that his like granddad was in like World War Two, yeah. And he's like, "I'd be a fucking coward." I'd be a
1: coward, <laughs> like you know. If that I... level of melodrama is like the world has turned and abandoned me. Like everyone has left me. Like yeah. that's so Weezer, like you know. But um, I just fucking I love this song, man. I love it, and the I think. The, I was just going to talk about the the Do you believe what I sing now? That might be my favorite hook on the whole album. Like I just I, I I I just I just love it, man. I love it. This song makes me a fucking dribbling mess, and it always has.
0: And that's oh same. Like this song, really, it's one of my favorites on the album, and it, and it's one of the saddest songs on the album. By it Miles. really is, yeah. And, and lyrically, but again, this is one of the most. World is turning left me here is definitely one of the songs that's most indicative of the direction they would go on with Pinkerton, because especially lyrically, because this song is—it's not as overt as Pinkerton, no. but it's definitely the beginnings of the combination of really sad, self-pitying melodramatic lyrics, which which became such a big influence on late '90s emo and into the early noughties. Absolutely, com- combined with uncomfortable levels of honesty because mm. there is that you know uh, I just made love to your sweet memory one thousand yeah. times in my head and mm. a lot of people could assume could associate that with masturbation mm. you know like jerking off over an ex or like a girl that doesn't feel the same about you and then there's that but and then there's that one you know I talked for hours to your wallet photograph and yeah. you're just listening and it's like, it's, and it's obviously him not taking a breakup well at all. Yeah. You know, I'm still, I'm still thinking about you sexually. I'm like a fucking, I'm, I'm practically talking to your wallet photo because you'll listen to that because you can't talk to me in real life because you don't want to see me anymore. So it's really, it is, and like, and we don't know the context of why the relationship ended. He doesn't lamb, he doesn't lambast the partner he's talking about. It, it is just this little slight window into not being able to get over someone yet. Yeah, and feel- absolutely and feeling like you're so alone in the world, and and it's kind of, and then even the end is kind of like, uh, you know, it's like, do you believe what I sing now? And it's yeah. like, I do, but like, I shouldn't. Like, you shouldn't be this fucking hung up. You'll be okay, you're a young yeah. man. But it is kind of like, I need affirmation that you believe that I'm sincere and how sad I am right now. Like it, It's so, I can't, it's so influential to what emo would become because, I, I like, Absolutely. yes, there is a there is a level of, like I said, self-aggrandizement, self-pity here. But the, And Rivers is smart, but he's self-aware and smart enough to know what this is. There, And that's why I think Weezer resonates so much, because it's like, we've all had these feelings. We all know that they're fucking egotistical and narcissistic. Mm. And Rivers has both. Rivers is like, I know these are narcissistic feelings and, and and lyrics to put out. He's like, but I can't help feeling like this sometimes when I, I'm fucking heartbroken. And it is that warts and all. Look, I know I should get over myself, but sometimes I just can't. And that's the sound of the world is turning left me here to me. Absolutely. And then huh they decide to palette claims one of the greatest pop songs of all fucking time. Of all time. I I think this is kind of, you know the way I was
1: saying to start, there's no context really around it. But like, this is kind of the only story as such of the album, but it's because of the music video. Like, the music video for Buddy Holly is like a music TV ever present. It was inescapable, which is why I was so surprised. It's not the most played song on this record, but more on that later. Uh, Buddy Holly is one of those songs that seems like it's eternal, you know, that it was always there. It will always be there. I love the way it just starts. Boom, you're right in. It's like you're just there. It's totally unique. It's totally brilliant from the chugging riffs to the insistent unavoidable melody. Two, the single best moment. On this record, and potentially one of the best moments in the 90s for music.
0: Are you talking about the bang, bang? Yeah. No,
1: I'm talking about the... <laughs> that fucking little solo lick before it goes into the last chorus is just on real how he came up like I know it's just the melody of but it's like down it's like up and octave and it's so fucking
0: joyous it's so joyous you have to give credit to those like slight little organ synth lines as well yeah oh man they're fucking gorgeous
1: man. but like everything about Buddy Holly like the ooey ooze the uh oh like the complete joy and sunshine of this song is fucking incredible and as and you it's... said that bang bang knock on the door like that bridge and, 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 Oh man, it's unreal. And even
0: the riff, the riff there, the
1: it's so good, man. It's so good. And you know the way, like some of the iconic songs or whatever. You know, when you when you're when you're a big like rock fan or metal fan or whatever. Like, you know, I mean, I've said it a hundred times. I never need to hear Enter Sandman ever again because I. Yeah. But. Give me Buddy Holly every single day, like yeah. I I can I could never get sick of this song. It's so fucking good, like you know. Buddy brilliant. Holly's
0: one. Of, Buddy Holly's like Pulp Fiction, you know. Yeah. If it ever comes on, I'm never ever 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 going to be like turn that no, off. It's I've like that. I've heard you that never skip down.
1: Buddy Holly, like no, never, never ever ever never and, ever ever.
0: And as we said, this is the in terms of the tracklist. This is the first song that we've talked about that was a single. A single, which, yeah. You know, with the iconic music video them inter spliced into happy days. It even by this today's standard, it's so well done. It's because it was fucking directed by Spike Jones, and Spike yeah. Jones is a fucking genius. So I mean, that video like that video. is good. It, it's brilliant. And it's so well done. Ah, and, it's so
1: fucking good.
0: And it's fucking and like and Weezer, like they really make Weezer look like they fit in, in happy days, like which which probably didn't take as much effort as it did. No. And but what I also think as well is Buddy Holly. Such a big single, and it really, and, and like, and what a genius! Stroke of genius, you know, like to write a song about like it's a self deprecating song about like because Rivers had big nerdy glasses, so he like he was like, oh, I look like Buddy Holly, <laughs> and, then, and then like so his misses, he was like, if I'm Buddy Holly, you're my Mary Tyler Moore, like, yeah, and he's like, I don't care what they say about us, anyways. It's but it, that was the. I Even just as a radio single That was a lot of people's introduction to It's a real subtle introduction to River's Goofy lyrics When they could be reined in just enough to make a hit You know, because there are like you know, like, what's with these homies, homies dissing this my, my girl. girl? Like, that's the whitest. Like, how could, what's with these homies dissing my girl? Why <sighs> did they got up front? What did we ever do to these guys that made them so violent? And, like, like, any other songwriter, that would be the worst lyric ever. But it's almost because it's like.
1: But it's his melodies, it's, man. It's yeah, the melodies. it's the melodies.
0: But it's also the fact that, like, that type of lyric is like, there's a charm to. You're like Rivers Cuomo is the type of guy who, in real life, would never speak like that. No, never, so, never, never. So, never, so never. it is. It's almost this thing of like in his own inner monologue. You know, like someone like making fun of him and his girl, and missus is like, "What's with these homies?" This my girl, almost to himself. Like, and yeah. he could never speak like. But in the never. song, he's like, "I can be who I want." Yeah. And like, and when you combine that just strange, odd way of like assessing someone being mean to you and your missus with that melody, it just it becomes this goofball anthem and it's such a song about just you know not giving a fuck it's a song that it it touches on love and like being in a relationship and it touches on just carefree attitude and it touches on not giving a fuck about what other people
1: think i don't care what they they say about about us anyway ah like
0: it's fucking it's just it's and, and and it's a testament to how direct how like how everyone knows that fucking song yeah, it's just an it's an essential anthem of the '90s. It like but everyone, even if people have never haven't heard any other song off of Blue album, or even don't know the name Weezer. Yeah. like there are people out there who would not be music fans, no. and you'd say to them, "Do you know Weezer?" And they'd be like, "No." And like you'd go, "Ooh, you, Buddy Holly." And they'd be like, "Oh, of course, I oh, yeah, know I that know that song. song. Yeah. Everyone knows yeah. that song. Like, and it's and it just and because it comes. I remember when I first listened to Blue album, I thought it was quite up and down in terms mm. of it's cohesion. But like, as I've gotten older and really like digested it, I think the album is perfect in its sequencing. In, way, in its sequencing, yeah. exactly. And after the kind of, the dark pop of no one else and then the really like dreary, over dramatic, and genuinely melancholic touching, The World Has Turned and Left Me Here, Buddy Holly just completely shifts gear.
1: It's just it's an like, injection of yeah. pure... Sunshine, like it's on yeah. and it and
0: it and it rains in the, it rains in the misogyny and the the unrequited love and mm. the failed relationship and it's just like I've had good times too where 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 life is just fun yeah. and it's a real song that's kind of like okay I'm I'm out of that self pitying two tracks let, let, I'm out of that I'm out of that weird headspace let, let's dance again yeah. and that's kind of what Buddy Holly is a total like palate cleanser in that regard
1: so yeah then you get to the really weird song.
0: <laughs> but which, which definitely, we mentioned it a bit earlier. Uh, it has the stankiest, strongest waft of pixies off it. Oh, huge! huge. The, riff, the, the even the, the 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 you know the just the strip back sound of the drums kicking in. Yeah. and then that. That's so fucking Doolittle, fucking Sarferosa, yeah. fucking, that is so early Pixies.
1: Do you know that, that, that discordant slacker riff that you're, yeah. you're, you're referencing? Yeah. Like I've heard literally thousands of attempts at people doing that by hundreds, True. by hundreds of bands and none of them have ever come close to getting to the Sweater song. And the way that the distortion hits in that first chorus is unbelievable. Those weird melodies that he picks, the vocal like affectations throughout the song. It's just this irresistible soup of glorious noise, you know, and the full I'm like alone. hair metal guitar solo, you know, which actually like shifts the key almost to major and the chugging riff is so fucking grinding. If it wasn't surrounded by all the pop brilliance, like that would not sound out of place on a sludge record. This is such a fucking tune. Like, so fucking the, good.
0: And I love the vocal samples, the the people talking. Yeah. Uh, because it obviously, it's meant to be reflective of the artificial shit, the artificial nature of the music industry they were very, very quickly becoming aware of because yeah. they were a bunch of young, smart lads and they get into the Blue Album. They, I mean, they get signed and they're like they're making their debut and, you know oh, you're going to the show, bro. It's got to be the best. Hey, my friends are gone. Can I get a ride? Yeah, and it's yeah. like all these fucking people who I like don't give a fuck about who would never speak to me in a million years except that they're at my gig. Like, yeah. and, like that. that's kind of the attitude I get. And like the character who's like being spoken to all you ever hear is like, oh, like it's, there's no even talking back. Like it's like... It's are you know, so
1: muttering and it's like yeah, almost it's, unintelligible it's, at points. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it really just seems to be this kind of song about like quickly realizing like the artificial nature of their new of their new surroundings and realizing people could quickly use them and even that Mm. thing you know even the hook you know if you want to destroy my sweater pull this thread as i walk away watch me unravel i'll soon be naked lying on the floor lying on the floor i've come undone so i mean like what to me i get in the slight image of like people if like if i let too many people use me really too early they'll just put i pull on this thread because I'm slowly already like getting stressed out, you know, I'll fucking unravel and be naked on the floor. If I let, if I'm, it, there's a recognition of mm. that. It's hidden in this really despondent kind of slacker tune that, like you said, has this amazing build up. And yeah. it's also the second single, another single they released from the blue album, because it, another video directed by the great Spike by Jones, Jones. That, and that iconic, it's just a blue background and the one take, and then all the dogs. Running. It's just such a great, goofy fucking video. It is. And I've always said this, the outro to Undone the Sweater song, if you sample that or just took that on its own and showed it to someone and were like, what album is this from? Yeah. People would be like, <laughs> like some fucking like Mayhem album. Yeah, it sounds
1: like. nuts. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it could be on a Sludge record. Like, it's fucking nuts, man. But it's testament to the power and the genius of Rivers Cuomo, I think. Um, and a band then that you mentioned in our kind of preamble Rear their head once again. We've got some full-on Beach Boys vibes with Surf Wax America. Uh, You know, that acoustic um, middle eight is so fucking Beach Boys. Full-on good vibrations. It's fucking great. I love that, you know, at the very end, that, let's go. I love that. It's so like, this is the fucking best thing ever. We're recording our debut album. Let's rock out. I love it. I I
0: also think, I also love that, you know, couple of tracks ago, we are talking about, like, a girl who laughs for no one else. Yeah, yeah. we were yeah. talking about, like, the world has turned and left me here. And then, you know, we wind up at, like, a song where you could literally tell, like, Rivers, like, sat down with his guitar and was feeling a bit better and a bit chipper and the sun was <laughs> shining. And he was like, I'm not that sad today. And I'm not, I'm not. I'm not dwelling on the past too much. What do, I, what do I want to write today? I want to write a fucking anthem for surfers. Yep. That's all I want to do. That's and what I like want to do. Song, yeah, this song has no nuance. It has no political commentary. It no. has no, I mean, some people have said, like, you know, it all could talk about, like, you know, the environment. They're like, no, this song is full on, just an anthem for surfer dudes in That's California. That's all it is. I yeah. love the
1: pace of it. You know, it's a real, like, fucking boo. Like, it's just straight, like, 4-4, four, four, just just oh, it's great. Is,
0: the sea is foaming like a bottle of beer. And then the second verse, the sea is foaming like a thousand pound keg. We're going <laughs> surfing. We're going surfing. So great. Your, you take your car to work. I'll, take, I'll my board. take my board.
1: But it's those sunshine, you know, Beach Boys melodies as well, that like, even and, in like the most basic song on the album, you still get like just this beautiful grasp of melody, and just ah, like a great turn of phrase, like you know. And when you're out of fuel, I'm still afloat, as if like you can get to
0: your job on a surfboard. You See, know, surfboard, it's, yeah. It's it just so no good. It's nonsense. like so type. good. Yeah, it's, and it's purposeful, sugar-coated nonsense. That's, Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. and it it, it it makes no sense, but that's the point. It's like <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love it, man. But I also love that you were saying like we're talking about the Beach Boys references and when Matt Sharp, the bass player who was only with them for Blue Album and Pinkerton, when he joined the band and like real, he was never really a vocalist. uh, And like he went off to start his own band the Rentals and like where he was the primary songwriter. But in Weezer, that was his first kind of case for doing backing vocals. And Rivers wanted him to be higher than him.
1: He so, yeah. he said that Rivers demanded that he go a full octave higher than Rivers, yeah. and you're just like, he said it took a bit of work, but I got there eventually. It was like the yeah. most yeah. understated way of saying that he did it. Like,
0: you basically had to learn how to sing falsetto.
1: Yeah, hilarious. Like,
0: because Rivers was like, you need to be a full octave over me, yeah. like. And but that's exactly pure
1: different. fucking Beach Boys. Uh, oh my God, Brian, Brian, Brian Johnson. Wilson. No. Wilson. Wilson, Jesus, Brian Johnson there's someone different. Brian Wilson, the name escaped me, shame on me. But that's pure him, you know, dictating every vocal take. And, you know, it's in more ways they, than one. It's like a fucking Beach Boy song.
0: And they said that they, when they were like writing for the Blue Album, that Rivers, because and it's funny because that vocal dynamic of Rivers and Matt's really like high vocal, that became... That became synonymous with Weezer for those first two albums, Blue Album and Pinkerton. That was like the iconic bit of a trade off in the vocals. But it was a
1: huge weapon in the arsenal as well. Like it was, it's so effective.
0: And they said that they even practiced, um, wasn't it, barbershop quartet routines because they were the most like challenging and like a vocal a kind of warm ups and the boys could just completely lock into different octaves and practice together and and that was kind of how they really built confidence for using that dynamic in their own songs so when it all breaks down in Surf Wax America and you just hear Matt the you know you take your car <sighs> And then Rivers it's comes in with a, all so on the under, under and, to... and uh. the two vocals coalesce like a barbershop. And then it all just comes back in. You can, all, It's all those little nuances that are so integral to why the album works. Like we said, the harmonica solo in My Name is Jonas and the acoustic lines in like fucking The World is Turning Left Me Here, the organ synth in Buddy Holly, the weird fucking strings, shatterings at the end of Undone the Sweater song. And then you have this like barbershop vocal breakdown in Surf Wax America. Mm. It's all these little intriguing creative choices and compositional nuances imbued into this big sugary emo-y pop, power pop alt-rock album that just... On
1: a Debut,
0: album. debut on a debut, and they're all in their early twenties. Like, they, like oh, it's, it's it's no real surprise. Like, why this album is still just so, like for an album that is just a ten track alt rock album, power pop emo album. The fact it's... that it has such legs is because of how well, like you said, it. What the main thing about this fucking record is the ten songs and how they're composed and every intricacy in them. It's That's another, all that matters. It's another class. Blue album is one of those class acts in. Being so creative and so technically proficient in a simple song setup, the whole album is a seemingly simple album that is so deceptively well written,
1: yeah, absolutely, and And constructed. And there's so many ideas thrown at it, and they all work. Like it's it's fucking incredible for uh, particularly for a debut, but like for any band to achieve this level of perfection, like it's incredible. So then we get to the biggest song on the album and Weezer's second biggest song on Spotify. Do you know what their top song on
0: Spotify is? Island in the Sun. It sure is. Um, do I fucking know my Weezer or do I fucking know my Weezer? <laughs> um,
1: Say It Ain't So is Weezer's, as I said, second highest played song on Spotify with just the the meagre 357 million plays and, um, and it's the biggest song on the Blue Album. And it's another single. It's
0: probably the most emotional song Rivers Cuomo has ever written. Probably the most honest song he's it, ever written.
1: It's one of the best songs of all time. It's It really reminds me of Pixies again. Um, I was just
0: about to say, it's it, so indebted to Pixies.
1: It's again. so indebted to Pixies. And you know when you hear the amp like warming up just before the chorus crashes in, yeah, it's just one of those beautiful, like, anticipatory moments in music, and, and it makes of...
0: that. It makes that like, you know, not the cat, or that's not the right word. It's like the 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 static kind of, of the, the the fact that the riff is so juddering. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and that, like you said, the warmth of the, and then the cut. The yeah. cut of the riff and how it just it's fun, man. Like n- never will I ever, 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 ever hear say it and so and not be affected by when that first no, course is me comes neither.
1: In. It's fucking incredible. And you know what this song does as well. I think, I think it really shows off of how good of a singer Rivers can be. Yeah, you know that because you know the water slide away from me. That line, that like. Yeah, yeah the way he sings that the melody just the water that away wait for me is getting better
0: every day oh it's like, the, like it's everyone that's the bit everyone loves in that song it's, it's just like perfect.
1: that's fucking like Michael Jackson levels of melodic brilliance like it's fucking incredible and I think that like they have this like again like a fucking sludge metal like bridge before it opens up into the solo which this, I mean the solo until it's so. Oh,
0: oh, God. And you're talking about, like, oh, you're also talking about Nirvana influence. Yeah. The, Huge. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Before the riff, that's so, that's letting out the inner carcobain full on. like Absolutely. That, that solo is the is the thing of rock beauty, man. It's just, uh, it's glorious. and the way it, it keeps building upon itself. It's fucking incredible. Like.
1: Do you know the way that like, we've talked like about how great all the other songs are and everything. And now in fairness, I think Buddy Holly, again, Buddy Holly is similar to Say It and So, in that they're perfect. You know, they're perfect songs. Oh, and, yeah, like, I like, you know, when songs have a little quirks and the quirks make them perfect to me. But I think that like, Objectively, say it and so is perfect. Every, it's just perfect. I'm not hearing any arguments against say it and so I'm not having it. A bit like Buddy Holly, you know. Like I should be sick of say it ain't so. I mean, of Same, the yeah. of the 357 million plays on Spotify, like seven million of them might be me. You know what I mean? Like I fucking I should be sick of it. But
0: that's but another I'm not. Song that, No, it's another song that's like you never skip "Say It," Ain't so
1: never, ever, never. ever, ever, and ever, it's another
0: ever. song that people who wouldn't even know the name Weezer mm-hmm. know that song. Yep. They know that hook. They yep. know that riff. Like if they they know that melody, even though they have no other bearing on the band whatsoever.
1: Yeah, it's I also think, fucking incredible.
0: I also just love "Say It," Ain't so because, like you know, like I said, it's it, to me, it's one of the most personal songs I think Rivers has ever written. Because like the whole song detail is like detailing his parents' divorce and his like estranged relationship with his father. So, cause his father had like a drink problem. So, you know, there's that like somebody's Heine, like Heineken yeah. is crowding my ice box. Somebody's cold one is giving me chills. Guess I'll just close my eyes, flip on the telly, wrestle with Jimmy. Something is bubbling behind my back. Yeah. And he's kind of, he's using like, he's talking about his parents' strained relationship, but then he's also talking about like the bottle of beer in the freezer. The bottle is ready to blow, say it ain't so you know, your drug is a heartbreaker, like the fact his father liked drinking too much, my, my love, love is a
1: life taker, yeah. It's
0: fucking that, so it's a real, and then there's that really intense bit uh, at the uh, in the bridge before the solo, you know, Dear, dear Daddy, Daddy, I write, write you, you. Yeah. in spite of years of silence, you cleaned yeah. up, found Jesus, things are good, or so I hear this bottle of Stevens awakens ancient feelings, like father, stepfather, the son is drowning in the flood, like that's a fucking dark lyric, man, that's in it's, it, and there's it, there's there's a mo there, and that's the thing i think is another reason why staying in so so timeless is that there is like a real it's a real subtle but really raw just it's sora processing of like yeah of feelings he's obviously like held on to since adolescence and yeah and it, it it's a re you hear it in the song that the, or even that i can't confront you i never i never could, could do, do yeah that which might hurt you and like so it that song is. I get. I'm getting chills quoting the lyrics. Yeah, absolutely, like, so, man. So it's... The 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 weight, the emotional weight in that song, uh, combined with the trudging riffs, and then the cathartic end with the big solo. Ah, uh, Ain't So is a masterclass of. It's fucking beautiful. It's I,
1: unbelievable. And it's, you know the the you referenced already the yeah yeah yeah. It's like yeah. I always get the feeling with that. It's like. Because it's in the bridge and the bridge is so vulnerable and so raw that it's almost this kind of, you know, like scream therapy, like this kind of like. Just a fucking release of emotion, no lyrics, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this, yeah, like you fucking let it out at it's the end. He, so, he probably
0: could have been improvised, like is That's just,
1: what I mean, you know. He's like yeah.
0: the sun is drowning in the flood. It's, yeah, it's uh oh, it's that's so gone. fucking good. Man. Never could I get to that point and not get chills. And then I'm the same. Even talking about it, like
1: you said, yeah, like I'm fucking like you know, hairs are standing up my arm yeah, talking about it. Like that it's amazing. Song,
0: right. It's incredible. And then that big ass fucking solo like Oh, then. the
1: solo, then. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just look, I mean, we can't really say more about say it and so than other people have already. But like, if if if, dear listener, you haven't fucking heard Say It and So, and at this point, if we haven't convinced you to listen to the blue album, you need to start it out. But whatever you do, you need to listen to Say It and So. It's just fucking perfect. As is
0: <laughs> and that's the thing, I, and again. After like the emotional devastation of the world is turning left me here is washed away with Buddy Holly, like all of the anxiety and the processing of like you know, un- trauma, like, trauma and emotions not dealt with and that come out and say it ain't so are completely upended by the nerd anthem that is in the garage. Um, do you know what man?
1: I like. I, I think it would be easy to like dismiss in the garage of any of the songs on the album it is, it's it's, you could dismiss it but i can't it's one of my favorite it's one of my favorites because it captures that sense of being a young lad forming your first band finding your mate with the biggest garage loading a fucking drum kit in there and just playing tunes. You whack up a poster, your favorite band. You, you get this shitty PA, whatever you, some busted amp. Like usually the singer has no microphone. That was the position I was in most of the time, trying to make myself heard over like squalling out of tune guitars. And in the garage just takes me, 34 year old me. This, it did it for me yesterday as I was listening to this. It took 34 year old me and just transported me caught me up and plopped me back down to 18 years ago. I was 16. I was in a garage with a few of my friends fucking playing tunes, man. And it was I love in the garage. I love it. I love it. And I won't hear any arguments against that. It. It's just that lovely, nostalgic feeling of being your first band. And you know the way like it when he say- says it's where I belong, you know, And that's what you feel like for someone like me, particularly, I've gone on to like, I play music as my my job, like, you know, like that feeling that in the garage captures is the reason that I'm still playing music. Like, you know, it's just it's it's so it's so great.
0: But I also think that there's a I I totally agree with you. I mean, like every time I listen to it, I. I, I'm like like you said I'm transported back to a myriad of different get mates garages and like exactly dingy, yeah
1: it's not always the same
0: garage <laughs> yeah different garage or a different dingy living spare room box room and like I, I had like this one like tiny shitty PA that my dad gave me for like vocals that like was a preamp and a PA so it was like this little box I plugged a mic into and my voice came out like a tin can and like so but it, it did for practice if you know what I mean Yeah, and But what I think about in the garage is that not only does it make me think of those memories, but there's a case to be made for how, like, the song isn't just about, like, that, you know, it's about it's about having a space where you can be a be your complete nerdy self and finding friends who kind of have that same approach, you know, the oh. he mentions Dungeons and Dragons. Are you know, even
1: so. like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, do you know what? I know it's the fucking opening line of the song, but I've just always, I've just always associated this with just jamming in the garage. I've never thought about oh. it as a like a safe space song, you know, that's, that's oh, cool. That's cool. No, yeah, yeah.
0: Because he's like, you know, I've he's like, you know, I've got the done I've got a twelve sided die, the yeah. dungeon master's guide, I've got Kitty Pride and, uh, and Nightcrawler too. Yeah. These are two excellent characters. And you know, waiting there for me. Yes, I do. Uh, you know, my favorite rock group, Kiss. You know, I've got Ace Freely really Peter, Peter Chris. So yeah. like in the so like there is like I get the idea of like him practicing with his mates and stuff, but there does also seem to be this it's just his place to
1: it's his to safe fun. space.
0: Yeah. yeah, you know, in Absolutely. the garage, I feel safe. No one cares about my ways. And I think mean, that's a lovely line as well, because, you know, you know, there there is a case to be made for like. I'm not, I'm not trying to get too philosophical on a Weezer Blue album episode, but, you know, when we go outside and we deal with the world, we put on a certain face And, you know, and we, and and in certain situations, you know, we have different vocal tones and we know how to talk to different people in different ways. Your phone voice. (laughs) Your phone voice, exactly. I mean, like, you know, like, my closest friends, my circle, like, we all have a circle, like, my family, they know the real me, and, like, in all my fucking, like, my obfuscations, but, like, when I'm out, and, like, you know, like, we all, like, behave, we, we all have to behave to a certain extent, so there is that idea, like, on in the garage that, like, you know, you know, it, you know, like, I, I won't fucking... I'm not going to talk about, like, mayhem to, like, my dad's friend who I'm, like, entertaining for five minutes when I'm yeah. visiting home. You know? yeah. So, like, there is that, like, you know, no one cares about my ways. The, like, you know, when I'm in the garage, when I'm in my spot, like, I can be as fucking neaky and geeky and weird and odd as I want. Absolutely. I can, like, like, I love, like, really dark, weird horror films, foreign horror films. Like, I, I, it's a big, weird hobby of mine. I love Korean horror and I love... Really strange old German horror, and and like really, I like to be challenged by shit I watch. I would never, in a million years, recommend most of these movies to anyone or ask anyone to watch them. Because it it it's your me. thing
1: as well, like it's
0: my little thing. Yeah, when yeah, I'm yeah. Another, it's my little sneaky thing to do. So I do love that idea that like he's he's not necessarily being that self deprecating, but there is an element of like. I know I'm a fucking nerd. I know I like Dungeons and Dragons and I like X-Men. X-Men and and Kiss. And and Kiss. And I really want to, and I'm fucking 16 with acne and I really want to be a rock star and my friends are going to jam out tonight and then we're going to play some D&D and I might read some X-Men comics and then I might like have a burrito and go for a nap on my beanbag and no one could call me a nerd or because I'm not bothering anyone. I mean, no one cares about my ways, but then there is that there's that little self-deprecating bit where he's kind of like you know in the garage the garage because that's how he pronounces it it's in the garage but in the yeah. song he sings it in the garage in the garage you know, yeah. uh, I feel safe no one cares about my ways in the garage where I belong yeah. no one hears me sing this song and there is a kind of a cross between you know this is where I belong with my friends rocking out being my nerdy self but there's also the I'm a proper geeky nerd, and I belong in the garage.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. There is where
0: I belong. Yeah, like, I love know, the. um
1: you know <laughs> the? No one hears me. No, no one hears
0: me. I had the
1: outro. It's so good. I love no it. One I hears love it.
0: Sing this song. Yeah, yeah in, uh, in the and even like as a kid, I was like when I was a teenager getting into Weezer. I remember being like, "Yeah, this is my type. This is my song." Absolutely. And now I'm 30 and I hear it and I'm still like, yeah, this was it still is my fucking song. Like, yeah, it's, for it's, sure, it's the, it's the ultimate geek anthem. And I think it is, it really that, is. It's the song that solidified Blue Album as like a calling card for like the geeks, for the people who were like, you know, people in the 90s and everyone was clicky and it was like, it's okay to like Metallica and Nirvana and Pixies and listen to pop songs on the radio. You can do it all. And yeah. you're allowed, like comic books and Dungeons and Dragons, but also going out with girls and watching movies which are made to you, you can do it all. You
1: can do it all, so, yeah.
0: We're yeah. all doing yeah. it all, but everyone's just acting like we're not because certain people are narcissistic enough to like still believe, give a shit about how they dress and Even- they hang out with
1: even if there is an argument that, you know, maybe we should all just stay in the garage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe yeah. Maybe we should just leave the cooler kids alone. Yeah. But like, so, you know, in the garage, like carrying like rallying call for like nerds to just, to just to be, to be happy. would be, embrace being a nerd. I yeah. like, I, I, I made my piece long ago with, you know, the fact that I'm a huge fucking nerd and I love being a nerd because you know what? I feel like I'm a lot cooler than the people who think they're cool. In the words of Marge Simpson, you know, maybe if you're really cool, you don't need to be told you're cool. But how would you know if nobody told you? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's I, exactly it. Like I, I stopped worrying. About, I stopped worrying about thinking what, what people thought of me in terms of coolness, and just started embracing how much of a fucking nerd I was. Yeah, a moon ago, and I've never been happier since I stopped. Since Same. I made that.
1: Absolutely and uh you know what f- records like the blue album are a lot of the reason that i was able to do that kind of stuff so yeah
0: same 100% um, had a big they- had a big influence on like you me. know yeah me and just cat and just like st- like just chilling out a bit like blue yeah. album was very much like a dude like Stop worrying. Just yeah, be yourself. don't worry about it. It's all good. Yeah, just yeah. be yourself. Like you, there'll yeah. be time to worry later in life. Like absolutely. And, and when I listen to Blue Album, it still makes me. Feel, it feels like an old friend at this stage, putting their arm around me and it's being like, "Yo, you're still good." Like yeah. I fucking love the Blue Album. Yeah, oh, man.
1: Yeah, we've we've got two uh, two songs left in the two track more. by track, um, and like. Holiday then like the riff sounds a bit like the Darkness's Christmas song so I'm fucking (laughs) I'm well on board with that because I fucking love the Darkness
0: I've never Uh, fucking drawn that comparison you're totally right that's brilliant and the organ you're totally right fuck um, and it's
1: kind of the most like straightforward song on the record until you get to the barbershop bit, which is gas like with the finger clicks and yeah. you know like yeah.
0: And, and
1: do you know what's great about this song? It's like I think it shows like the fearlessness and maybe the kind of naivety of like a debut album where they're like let's do a barbershop bridge and no one was like no we shouldn't do that you know what I mean and it's kind of like no let's what fucking you, do it you know
0: it's, well, the, I think that's the beauty of the fact that they got Rick Okasek from the Cars who they worked with like I said again on Green and yeah. everything right in the end the fact that they were like we want to self-produce our debut and Geffen Records were like no, no. We're to, <laughs> we need a producer who's, who's a producer that was in a band that has a similar sound to you but it's a bit more seasoned the cars let's get Rick Okasek from the cars we have him in our Rolodex take Rick Okasek and then they're in the studio and he's obviously just vibing with Weezer he's just delighted yeah (laughs) and seeing their vision and seeing how talented these lads are and how little of his help they actually need and he's just helping them channel their vision and River's probably like I want a fucking barbershop quartet in the penultimate track and he's probably like awesome yeah, it's good. good. And again, like, yeah.
1: I have to shout out the fucking lead lines as well. Like, they're fucking mad good on, on holiday. Like, they're fucking mad and again, good.
0: And again, like, for, for all of the dark, nuanced tracks here, and then, like, I mean, like I said, you've got songs referencing his brother's job, referencing like overbearing, like misogynistic attitudes and relationships, unrequited love, not being able to get over someone, like his parents' divorce. But then there's like an anthem for surfers. Just like, there's a song. And there's just an, an anthem nerds. for nerds. <laughs> for nerds. And then this is literally just a song about, let's fuck off on a holiday, guys. Let's go away. Like, we, have, yeah. we had a long fucking couple of months. Like, let's yeah. just go on a holiday if you're still into me. Yeah. And that's, it. Yeah. There's that's not, it. There's not a big like, oh, and this happened on the holiday or we were out. of. No. It's literally just... Let's go away for a while. You and I. It's just, let's go on a fucking holiday, girl. And the the hook, the beat, And the fucking melody. And like I said, those organs, especially the one that opens. Oh, man. And holiday, I remember like, and it's strange because after in the garage, it's kind of like, oh, am I, where are we going now? Are we we going back to a darker side? No, we're going on a holiday now, baby. Because, but I also think there's a one-two punch of feel good and sim- simplicity if you will on in the garage at holiday because because the closer is yeah. the length of two fucking songs and yeah. it's one of the darkest saddest songs we have sort of ever written and we're yeah. talking of course about the iconic eight minute closer only, only in, in dreams.
1: dreams and you mentioned earlier on that you know this album is not about the bass, but finally what? on yes. on the last track we get some bass being highlighted, uh, that and like you get
0: do its own fucking thing. Like
1: yeah, you get a really really cool bass intro. Um, You know, <laughs> it's the first time the bass gets highlighted; it's the center of attention. But then it very quickly like retreats back into the mix where it belongs and lets everything else take over. Yeah. And there's so much to love about this song. I think my favorite might be
0: the
1: <laughs> at the end, you know, like I love that. And um it sounds like he wanted to go for like a big massive high note, but he couldn't quite hit it, so he just did that instead. I love it. Um and the build up at the very end is amazing. Uh, I think dynamically the track is fucking outrageous. It goes through so many different kind of modes and phases. It's it's just it's just fantastic, it, like Only in Dreams is is fantastic. And it's got like a really long ending, but for a song or for an album that features like so many short snappy to the point songs, for some reason, this long last song and the long outro makes sense.
0: It doesn't feel, it's, it's, it's strange. It's one of the rare instances of a band who primarily deal in instantaneous pop leaning style songs Hmm. that usually go from two and a half to four minutes at most Hmm. write a song that verges on 10 minutes that doesn't feel self-indulgent or masturbatory and
1: it really doesn't it just makes sense and it's kind of because i think despite this being like a pop rock record like it's given you a lot to kind of think about as well a lot to process and it's taken you on a bit of a roller coaster of emotions and in that sense i think only in dreams is the perfect way to finish it because it just gives you that little chance to to reflect almost if that makes sense
0: it's understated in how it ends it rather than ending on and they and like are you fucking telling me after like listening to that album straight through rivers couldn't have ended it on a buddy holly or ended it on a surf wax america or this big joyous anthem to, to see us out into the sunshine it's like no you get in the garage you get holiday where you can't get more endemic and fun and carefree mm. than that and then only in dreams really brings everything back down to reality, and it re- and like you said, it kind of leaves you. It gives you a minute or two at the end to really yeah. kind of process everything you've been through—the ups and downs, the super catchy, sugar-coated hooks, the like lovely, like direct songs, like little anthems for surfers and nerds and going on a holiday, and and then really kind of nuanced takes on toxic relationships and unrequited love and his the parents' divorce and and processing his own toxic attitudes towards things that need to be changed and it all kind of just it all kind of dissipates toward the end of only in dreams it really especially when it like comes back down and it's just the baseline again toward the end before it all builds back up there is a real just it's a wind down of an where and a lot of times when a band choose a wind down to close out an album it can feel really underwhelming like that's what i get after this whole journey but like you said it just feels so right
1: it feels perfect
0: yeah it really does yeah. and it kind of and this is going to sound so wanky but it almost and i'm not saying all their color albums have any color vibes but it almost sounds blue man the ending it sound it resonates this almost aquatic navy blue gloomy dark kind of I know a-
1: exactly what you mean
0: do you know yeah. what I mean? It the really kind of
1: is... synesthetic approach like yes, I absolutely I, I 100% get what you mean yeah.
0: The outro of Only in Dreams feels blue Yeah <laughs> like,
1: yeah. No no I 100% <laughs> yeah. So there you have it There's there's Weezer the blue album We've a couple of little things to get through so I'm going to fire some rapid fire questions at you Best song on the record Oh fuck yeah. um,
0: uh... Ooh, um,
1: <laughs>
0: it's so, so hard
1: man it's so hard it's so hard to pick just so one so
0: hard for for me personally it's either my name is jonas or the world has turned and left me here for the sake of of, of for the sake of it the world has turned and left me here
1: that's my answer as well because it's the first one i heard and it kind of filled me with joy immediately and it still does like obviously objectively as i've said you know buddy holly and said and so are perfect like they're perfect but the world Has turned is is the one for me. Now, a really fucking stupid question. What's the f- worst song on the blue album?
0: Again, there is no worst <laughs> song. No, there isn't. But for the sake of for the sake of intensely anal argument, yes. I'm gonna say holiday.
1: Ah, that's weird A full house That we, we both gone For the best song And the worst song I've gone for holiday as well um, Just because
0: It's just because The other nine songs Are so strong yeah. It's yeah. just that Teensy bit Less yeah. strong Exactly if I had to, It's not What's the weakest song On the album It's like What's the least Brilliant song On the album Exactly and I'm like, Holiday 100%. by a tiny percentage Like by a tiny margin I agree And I think I think we've both agreed because we fucking, we know this album in and out and like, we're just, we're, just, we're locked in with like, I think it's almost objective.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Almost. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah,
0: not specific enough to think, but oh, I'm almost, we're almost scholars of Blue.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, man. As in like, I know when this you, album you, like so intimately yeah, that, you know. When you
0: listen to an album this many fucking times, you, you become like adept at this.
1: <laughs> yeah, Definitely. Um, so just to, just to talk about the reception, which I found out some mad shit about this record, um, some of the reviews at the time were kind of like seven or eight out of ten, which I think is fucking mental. Like, how did people not immediately recognize this is a ten? Because it's a ten, like without a doubt, without a fucking doubt. Um, and like a lot of the retrospective reviews, including Pitchfork, have gone back and given it a ten. I think it got praise from Rolling Stone and Enemy at the time, but it wasn't like later until people really gave it its due, its due, which is fine. Look, people are idiots. It's grand.
0: Rolling Stone are like, yeah, Rolling Stone, Dick Road, Blue Album. Yeah. And then they gave Pinkerton two out of five. Two, yeah, yeah. And then they re-reviewed Pinkerton like 10 years later and yeah. gave it five out of five. And Rivers Cuomo was literally like, the fact that a music publication can give your artwork... Your piece, of your creation, two out of five, and then go back ten years later because they've changed their mind to give it five out of five without any warrant yeah. for how that affects the at the reputation of a project or the artist's own opinion of their own work. He was like, it's just one of the reasons he hates the idea of music criticism in general. The yeah. fact that like it, it makes no sense. It was like Not one zero didn't like it and another reviewer did and he and because it's a fucking name rolling stone that means something rivers took it so to heart Mm -hmm. and let it affect him when it was just one person not vibing on the record but that's a Pinkerton discussion for another day
1: i think that like looking back now it's actually more revealing of what type of record it is like pitch pitchfork ranked it at number 26 in the top 100 albums of the 90s which is i mean i'd probably have it higher i think but I, i i get that like i mean out of all the albums that released in the 90s, which was such a fruitful period of time for music. Fair enough. 26 is great ranking. Rolling Stone had it at number 294 in the 500 greatest albums of all time, which is again, like when you consider everything in all the genres of music, fine. Yeah, grand. At least it's in there because it has to be. And they also call it the 35th greatest debut record of all time. So, you know, since it's you know, since it's been released in its initial release, it's achieved considerable acclaim. And, you know, it sold 15 million records well, worldwide, which is fucking pretty big. Um, do you want to hear something fucking nuts about this record? Try me. In the year that it was released, I could not find a single end of year list that included it in the top 20.
0: Oh, that's fucking obscene. Isn't that just so fucking stupid? That's re- that what
1: yeah what? what i know i couldn't believe it so unless i've missed something but like i did fucking like a good half an hour looking there last night and i could i couldn't fucking find it which is just stupid but like 94 was an extremely good year for music um but not one list had weezer in its top 20 which is fucking insane
0: do you think like i said earlier that the fact the album came out a month after Kurt Cobain's suicide had anything to do with the world I think... not ready for a, a band who had such strong influence from Nirvana but channeling a more positive Beach Boys geeky vibe do you, do you think some people felt just a bit yeah they felt a bit uncomfortable to give the album too Definitely. much reading it, w- it was too close to the bone for Nirvana fans and stuff
1: and another al- album that we've mentioned on this episode has a lot to do with it as well Uh Ducky I think Dookie changed the landscape of music at the time massively yeah. so um
0: I'm going to see like like I said earlier like we're going to talk about the the reason I was saying earlier the Blue Album is so like has had such a legacy is because Blue Album is almost equal parts alternative rock power pop and emo yeah and with, with strong influence from grunge so there's so many it different... might cover
1: too much ground almost
0: yeah so yeah. it's almost like there's so many different circles that Blue Album is resident in, whereas Green Day Dookie was like, this is for the punk movement. Exactly, This yeah. is the punk album, and everyone flocked was to that. It was
1: easy to put in a box. Yes. Particularly do, do, in a post-Nirvana, post-Curcobane suicide, in that landscape, it's easy yeah. to go, right? These are the new rock heroes. Pop punk is the way to go. Green Day is it, you know? And I think Weezer were just that little bit harder to categorize.
0: And I do think that... Um, if someone finds this controversial i'm sorry but and don't get me wrong i fucking love dookie Mm -hmm. but i but it is but it the blue album is the album that has stood the test of time far more than dookie and it had and dookie is still a great influential album but i definitely think blue album has had more of a lasting and dynamic effect on different artists and different scenes than dookie dookie had a bigger influence on one set Whereas Blue Album has had far more of a sprawling influence across the board in terms of emo bands and alternative rock bands and indie bands and grunge bands, I think.
1: Well, Mr. Buggy, you have led on very nicely to my next segment. Remember last time I tortured you and made you choose between White Pony and other albums? Yeah. I'm going to do the same again. So because I couldn't find a list in which Dookie are as... In which Blue Album was contained. I'm going to pick some of the albums that I really like from 1994 and ask you to choose between them. So my first one was Dookie. So I'm guessing you're going Blue Album. Oh, Blue Album every day. Me too. Um, Super Unknown by Soundgarden. Blue Album. Uh, Same. Trouble Gum by Therapy.
0: I've never really gone in on Therapy.
1: Okay. Trouble Gum is excellent, but I'm going Blue Album as well. Ill Communication by the Beastie Boys.
0: I love Fucking love one more time. Fucking love the Beastie Boys. Yeah. And I love ill communication. <laughs> Same. But, but the Blue Album.
1: Yes, the Blue Album. Um, this one I think would be easy for you, maybe a little bit more difficult for me. Again, one of the best debut albums of all time. Definitely, maybe by Oasis. You're going Blue Album. Yeah.
0: A blue Album every day. My, yeah. my relationship with Oasis is very. Yeah. I'm I'm am I'm a just like Radiohead. I'm a greatest hits guy when yeah. it comes to. I am. Um,
1: I think definitely maybe is fucking unbelievable, but I'm going Blue Album as well. Um, Far Beyond Driven by Pantera.
0: I, I'm gonna say the Blue Album, but me too. Make no mistake, I've got a copy of Far Beyond Driven on vinyl downstairs. Oh, yeah. Last year, and it, it, it. It, it's, it's the heaviest Pantera album and, and no it's, it's not Great Southern Sorry, Great is, Southern Trainkill yeah. <laughs> is the most far, far Beyond Driven was the heaviest up to that point yeah, yeah. And, and then Great Southern Trainkill came but yeah far, yeah. oh man
1: I'm going Blue Album as well
0: you got me thinking about Far Beyond Driven I'm going to listen to that later Yeah, but yeah blue, um, blue Album though Blue Album still
1: Um, Monster by R.E.M. you've no relationship with R.E.M. do you?
0: I like R.E.M. Yeah. but I've only listened to like I've, big listened, stuff. I've listened to the essential albums. Yep. I've listened to Automatic Monster, and Out of Time. Automatic for the people out of time. Green, uh, uh, Green, and the what the first the one with it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine that early one. And I listened to reveal that yeah. that reveal was the last one I listened to with his imitation of life, which is good enough tune. But uh, no, I'd still I Weezer far yeah. more fun than R.E.M. Definitely.
1: Do you like Blur because they released Park Life in 1994?
0: Park Life is like the only Blur album I've ever listened to. Yeah. Which is a great record, but I still saw Blue Album, though, definitely. Yeah. Um, Machine Head, Burn My Eyes. Oh, Blue Album. But don't get me wrong, Burn My Eyes is a fucking classic.
1: It is a classic. And the final one.
0: Before you continue, just just to get like extra linkages going, we were talking about In the Garage, and it's bringing us back to fucking. Being in garages practicing tunes, I distinctly remember being in a garage at 13 years old all day practicing division. it is But yeah, with my shitty first band. So yeah, yeah, There's, yeah. I my, have that exact I same memory. Back. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so many of uh, us do, I'd say.
1: And this has got to be a tough one. Well, maybe not for you, but it really is for me. But I know my answer. Um, is the Blue Album better than The Downward Spiral? Or do you prefer it, I think, is... is.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I prefer... I'm glad you worded the question. Okay. I, I don't feel comfortable answering that first. so I don't think you can answer that. Yeah. I prefer Blue Album. Okay, I,
1: I prefer Downward Spiral. So I think of all the records released in 1994 that were on all these lists, I think the Blue Album is the second best one of them. And the fact it wasn't included on any of them is fucking ridiculous. That's obscene. ridiculous. It's, it's obscene. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the end of my little segment, torturing
0: Zach. Um, that was a lot less traumatic than uh, the The Deftones Because Def a yeah. lot more albums that I loved came out the same year as White Pony, but yeah. Blue Album just knee slapped every other album in 94. Yeah, me, like.
1: I agree. So that brings us to trying to somehow sum up one of the greatest records of all time. I think that from what we've said all along, You can tell that we're both just fully in awe and in love with the Blue album. But like trying to like sum up its legacy is a little bit more difficult because it is in the way that you said that it's deceptively simple, like like it's deceptively complex. It sounds simple, but it's quite complex. Yeah. They're a deceptively influential band. Um, Yes, I couldn't agree more. Their reach goes really, really far. Like I think I mentioned, the Wonder Years. I think that kind of you know honest, emotional, emo pop punk thing. There yeah. is a there is a direct line um, from Weezer and from the Blue Album. I think that. The, oh, there's all, all like, of the bands. Pretty much every rock rock band that's trying to achieve success with big choruses you know they will have heard Weezer at some point and I think that their influence actually goes into more underground territories as well Um, I know it's a point that you wanted to make that you know their reach extends into the world of hardcore punk
0: yeah like I mean I was we were actually saying before we went on air that since Glow On the latest Turnstile album that we 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 need we need to get a fucking uh, a clarion for mentioning Turnstile or Glow On because we do it every fucking episode. Every episode. But, uh, there's some people online when they take the piss and they, they refer to Turnstile as Weezer with breakdowns and the point I made to you was people say that like it's a bad thing but when you sounds listen, like the best shit ever. Like. Yeah, it sounds like the best music I could ever fucking imagine. <laughs> yeah. And especially on Glow On there's there's a case to be made for so much of the catchy riffs and the big power chords used throughout Glow On that have that same downstroke fucking like frenetic shifting up and down the neck that like Weezer Weezer like flex all over the Blue Album like their style of riffage on the Blue Album by Weezer and the style of riffage by Turnstile on Glow On are very similar in style. It's just that Turnstile put it in a more aggressive, upbeat way and imbue, and imbue it with fucking like hardcore motifs and breakdowns. But like so much of that, like listening to Blue Album again last night, I, I was like, holy shit, these riffs really are like, they really have left an indelible mark on like modern Turnstile. There's no denying that. Like,
1: No denying it. And I think, you know, bands like, Joyce Manor.
0: Pup. Oh, you fucker. I, I was literally the first one I was gonna mention next was Joyce Manor. That's yeah. so fucking
1: yeah. oh man. Joyce Manor, Pup, and the Dirty Nil are just and, like fucking we love Weezer, Weezer are the shit. Let's make music that sounds like Weezer. And it's great, with, it's so cool. Like
0: it's the same with sorority noise. The yeah. first time I ever heard sorority noise was their song, their single Nolsey. And I remember like the big fuzzed out riff. And I was, I remember thinking that's very Weezer. And then the solo kicks in and the lead guitar player is playing an exploder and it's a fucking Total Rivers Cuomo love letter solo. And I remember thinking, wow, that Weezer influence is still traveling.
1: It's still everywhere, man. And you know, like even... I, I think like Fall Out Boy and fucking um, like Panic at the Disco even like all of that stuff as well I think Paramore like definitely or oh, Weezer a bit of a death you know there's and uh, let's
0: there... not forget, let's not forget let's not forget even though we're not talking about even though we're talking about the blue album here, the album after the blue album, Pinkerton, Mm -hmm. is not only credited as the favorite album by this artist, but also the reason he wanted to learn guitar. Simon Neal from Biffy Clyro.
1: Man, like I stole Joyce Manor from you, the big one that I was going to mention is Biffy Clyro. Yeah. Biffy Clyro would not exist without Weezer.
0: Fuck no, not at hope.
1: And the thing, this is what I, I was kind of saving it, but the thing that Biffy Clareau and Weezer have in common is they write very interesting, very technical, very hard to play, but sounds simple rock music with pop choruses. And I think that a band like Weezer would have shown someone like a young Simon Neil like, oh, all of that weird shit I like, I can put into my pop music. And I yeah. can make it loud, and I can make it aggressive, and I can make it sound fucking monstrously heavy if I want. And if the songs are good enough...
0: They'll get on the radio, and they'll be successful, and they will be pop songs, and people egg, will sing along to
1: them. Exactly. Because okay. to bring this right back to what I said at the start, there is no frills. There, there the, 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 the 10 reasons that the Blue Album is a classic are the 10 songs. And that's it, you know, that's it. And I think Biffy Claro have taken that same approach. You know, there isn't much of like a story or whatever. You know, obviously, you know, the albums were influenced by life events and all that stuff. I get that. But, you know, there isn't much of like a context and there isn't like a big controversy or a big fucking hype machine or any of that.
0: Biffy's always just primarily, number one, been about the tunes.
1: And Sore weezer.
0: weezer yeah, Soar Weezer,
1: And like I think an album like the blue album, for all like the direct musical influence it would have had on like like the Joyce Manners of the world and all that stuff, what it really for me leaves a legacy of is attitude. And it's that like if you write good enough songs, you can you can be a big band, you can be successful. And all these people who say, Well, I write brilliant songs and no one listens to me, and blah blah blah, I know that happens in a few cases. But most of the time, good bands will, who write good songs, are able to carve out some kind of career. And a band like Weezer have shown that if you write good songs, they ha- they can be as challenging. They can cover weird subject matter. They can be technical. They can be straightforward. They can be joyous. They can be sad. They can be. Reverend, they popular. can be
0: simple shit like
1: exactly they can take influence from someone as diverse as the Beach Boys and the Pixies R.E.M. Nirvana they can they can put Quiet, all of that Riot,
0: Quiet right and Van Halen
1: and Van Halen and fucking all of those bands put them all together and you can get something glorious like Weezer's The Blue Album and I think that more than anything shows, it lights the path, it shows the way for all bands in the garage, <laughs> practicing, writing their first songs that you can do it if you write good enough songs and it sounds simple, but it's very, very difficult to write a collection of songs that are as instantly amazing as the Blue Album,
0: not to get too off track, but a couple of weeks ago. No, I I have shit for brains. Last week, I went to see Sick at their yep. reunion show in Camden. And I was just vibing on Sick listening to a lot of their tunes. And anyone who knows Sick, or if you're not too familiar, hyper technical prog metal math core band. Uh and but one really interesting thing I read was, and like Sick's music is like still in your levels of absurdity, mashuga levels. It's nuts. fucking yeah. nuts. But an interview with their guitar player, Pin from back in the day, and he said, Yes, you said we love progressive music and we love really technical music. And part of the project is to challenge the parameters of song structure and write these really like complex pieces and yada 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 he says but he says they are and they always have to be in favor of the song He said, we still, at the end of the day, want to write songs. He says, they're they're metal songs, they're complex, they're technical, they're avant-garde. He says, but they need to have hooks. They need to have memorable moments. He said, there's a reason SICK had such a legacy. It wasn't just masturbatory fucking, oh, look how technical we are. It was always in service to the song. And he says, no matter how much we want to challenge ourselves, we always have to keep in mind it has to be in service to the song. And that's even no matter how technical, no matter how metallic you want your sound to be or aggressive, you need to have the song there at the end of the day you're writing songs and like and weezer would be a much more great example like you said light in the way of showing that you can take every single influence under the sun and idea you have and you can channel them into any which way you want as long as they're in service of the song if you don't have the song you have nothing like and and the blue album just shows that that like anything you want can be in in faith can elevate the song as long as the song is there
1: 100% and,
0: yeah and that's that's kind and, of my Like,
1: and my god are the songs there on the blue oh, album oh the
0: songs are there and then some Jesus Christ it's like.
1: just it's unbelievable and like I mean the likelihood of anyone who's like into music enough to be listening to us talk about music, they will have heard the Blue Album. But you know, you might not have listened to it in a while, but like fucking throw it on. Like I put it on as soon as the sun comes out every sun, every summer. It's like, okay, I'll be driving and the clouds part. I'm like, oh, it's Blue Album time. Boom, let's go.
0: If I'm not on any like particular new album that I'm getting into and I have like an hour and a half, hour and 40 minute journey ahead of me, I always just do Blue and Pinkerton back to back. Yeah. Because and, it, and it just takes me away to a simpler time. They never <laughs> get old.
1: And oh, no. that's and the enduring go. legacy of great songwriting.
0: And here, here, here's a tiny little thing I want to mention before we bow out that I just clicked in my head. Our first for the record essentials was Deftones, White Pony. Mm-hmm. And our second for the record essentials is Weezer's Blue Album. Yeah. And there is videos online. I think they even did a studio version of Deftones covering Say It Ain't So. From the Blue Album. So even an alternative metal band like Deftones fuck with Blue Album and take influence from Blue Album. You can yep. literally find Deftones' cover of Say It Ain't So online. So, I mean, f- for the Essential Album we reviewed last week to cite this, not last week, last time, for the Essential record we cited last time to cite this Essential record as an influence on it. Like when you have a band like Deftones covering a band like Weezer off of their Blue Album, that shows you the level. And that was my point as well. Not as much as big as Dookie was by Green Day. Albums like Dookie have not had influences on outsider artists as further afield as Deftones. Deftones aren't
1: covered in Basket Case. like
0: No, they're not. But Deftones are covering Blue Album. So that shows you the expansion that Blue Album has had, that even artists as kind of unlikely like Funeral for a Friend and Deftones cite Weezer and especially the Blue Album as influences like
1: yeah I I, like yeah everybody
0: in summation for the Record Essentials episode two Electric (laughs) Blue Boogaloo whatever the fuck Electric
1: Boogle Blue no
0: (laughs) yeah Electric Boogle Blue I like that one (laughs) everyone and their mums fucks with Weezer's Blue Album and That's the science of it. From Simon Neal and. That's a scientific fact. (laughs) It's physics. It's inevitable. From Simon Neal and Biffy Clyro to Chino Marino and Deftones to every single fucking emo revivalist pop punk band of the last 10 to 15 years to fucking Turnstile, the biggest hardcore band on the planet right now. Weezer's Blue Albums influence is felt everywhere. And it's. For an album to be so fun, so emotional, so nuanced, so dynamic, so easily digestible, and for it to have such the resonance and weight and credence that it has today, few fucking albums that can be categorized as alternative rock, pop punk, emo, can, can stake that claim. And that's why I was so excited to talk about this today. And we've talked about it for so long because yes. no other band, no other album can make music like this that deserves this much praise.
1: No, I, I agree, man. I, I I think you've summed it up fucking brilliantly there. And hopefully you've all enjoyed listening to us ramble enthusiastically about one of the great collections of rock songs. Um, Weezer's The Blue Album, absolutely fucking incredible. Um, So that is For The Records Essentials episode two. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're listening to all of this in chronological order next week, next week, we're going to do the first part of the top 20 albums of 2022. So strap the fuck in. That has been Weezer's The Blue Album. That has been For The Records Essentials Episode 2. My name is Sean Tierney. Electric you, (laughs) Electric Blue. my apologies. My name is Sean Tierney. Thank you so, so much for listening and sticking with us throughout this two-hour monstrosity. Um, Music is the fucking best.
0: Weezer's Blue Album is the best. I'm Zach Buggy. Bye.